Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Mike L, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. Today we're going to be taking a look at some of the Spider-Man crossovers from the late 1980s. That's right. Fun stuff here. And mm. uh, we have G.I. Jolie back with us. G.I. Jolie. Hello. Woo! Thanks for joining us. This is a big one. Uh, Yay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks for coming back. Uh, also, Bex Luthor. I'm here. Hello. What's up? It's me. Yeah. So these two special guests tend to miss episodes, but there's no way they're missing this one, and that's because yeah. we've got our special guest, Masai <laughs> Complex, aka <laughs> Jeff Catala, with us. <laughs> that is 100 not the reason they're not missing this one. But hi, everybody. Did you listen to the last podcast? Because it kind of is. I listened to the last two, actually. Ooh. <laughs> I know. No. I had to do my homework. So there's two more coming, and because we do really far ahead and you'll see what uh, we're talking about later but anyway that's right so i yeah it's, yeah it's like what are you talking about we don't miss that many episodes i kid i kid just the ones that stuck so anyway so it's not like it's not like people have like full-time jobs and do other podcasts and stuff like that <laughs> i've only got i don't have an other, excuse i do not I have what only three or four podcasts besides this one but anyway yeah uh okay so so Jeff, we have known you. I don't know how long, how many years now, but we we met you through cosplay. You're a we cosplayer did. known as Messiah Complex, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, for for those that are interested, can you tell us or tell the listeners kind of like who you are, where they can find you, and what you do, basically? Yeah. So uh, pretty much across all social media, you can find me at Messiah Complex Cosplay. Uh, there is a website, www.messiahcomplexcosplay.com, but it's just a placeholder right now. There's some images there, but we're still we're still working on it. But the domain is there. Uh, yeah. And I and I dress up like a nerd on weekends for parties and events. And, and now just starting back up again, Comic Cons in two weeks. Fan Expo lands in Toronto from uh, October 22nd to 24th. So I will be there for that event all three days and dressing up all three days. And we're going to do some cool photo shoots and we're going to drink a lot and just going to have a great old time. So that's it, man. And then, yeah, I like to do I got uh, my own uh, weekly podcast. Uh, We just changed the name from Geeks of the Roundtable to Geek Boutique. And uh, every week we just talk about, usually we pick a, a pop culture topic to talk about. Um, and sometimes we'll just have a, a, a weekly roundup of 
of sort of what the the pop culture news has been. This week we we're talking Star Trek because uh, this ninety year old dude went to space, and and we've got to talk about it. So. Yes, yeah. he did. Yes, he, yes did. he did. Came back safely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, just did you uh, start this podcast before or during the uh, pandemic? Uh, well, so we're on episode. I want to say seven or eight ish. Oh, okay. We're in around there. Yeah. So we've only just started it. It was uh, my good friend uh, J S Belanger is the one who is leading the charge on that, and uh, Jolie has been good enough to be a guest on that podcast. We had a Harry Look Potter episode, that. so oh, we nice. brought in Jolie and her sister Julie, and uh, yeah, we had a great conversation of all things Potter, so it was awesome. That's great. Yeah, Julie's like a way bigger Harry Potter freak, so I was I had to have her on there, too. You know what you were, though? You were our moral center, because every time we kind of started talking about... I know, I know, I know. For those of you that know her, you're like, what? But every time we started talking about some of the more controversial aspects of Potter, like J.K. Rowling and Johnny Depp, you were there to kind of keep us keep us all in check and make sure we, uh, we weren't stepping on our toes too much. So thank you for that, and it was amazing. Well, yeah. you're welcome. I'm really yeah. glad to have been on it. I did want to say, you should guys really have Becca on there. For sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> and maybe you should have a Spider-Man episode. I'll, we have. I'll, I'll be on any podcast. I got nothing going on. I'm both talking about stuff that I probably. I, I, I will reach out, Becca. We'll we'll get you on there for sure. <laughs> We're always uh, looking for new guests. So. So that's awesome. Uh, I'm I love Harry Potter. I also love comic books. Now I notice in the you background, yeah, you'd never know it by talking to me, but. Uh, I noticed in the background, Jeff, I see two posters here. I see mm. Batman and Superman. That's right. And so I have, those are probably, those are two of my three favorite characters. My, num my number one is Superman. My number two is Spidey. So do you want to tell us your background with comic books? Have you read them your whole life or what's up? Uh, I didn't start collecting until the 90s, uh, so probably 90-ish or 91. So I was around for, um, you know, uh, Death of Superman, Nightfall, Marvel versus DC, uh, Kingdom Come, those events. Uh, and the Birth of Image comics, I was around for that. I've got most of the Spawn run. So, yeah, the the sort of the glory days, you know, when X-Men number one, you know, the four million prints of that comic or whatever, whatever ridiculous number it was. So that's that's when I was collecting. I probably still have, oh, I don't know, around 2,000 comics uh, kicking around here in the basement, uh, mostly collecting dust. Every now and then I'll, I'll pull out our series run and I'll start reading away. But uh, I was a little bit more into DC than into Marvel. Um, sure. I, I, the Marvel stuff was great because it was relatable, but sometimes I just want some fun escapism. And I found DC was a little bit better at that. So I stuck mostly with DC. But I do I did collect some Marvel titles too. And, and I've always been a, bit, a big fan of the, you know, the different media, the cartoons, the movies, that kind of sure. stuff. Sure. So, yeah. And you mentioned, I think you mentioned Spider-Man, but have you always been a Spider-Man fan? I have. I didn't collect Spider-Man or X-Men back in the day because I was poor and I couldn't <laughs> afford to collect all the spider titles or all the X-Men titles. And they routinely right. ran arcs through all the different books at the same time. Uh, so I did I did collect books that were typically uh, from the Marvel side. I, I collected Silver Surfer. I collected Credible Hulk. Usually storylines that stayed kind of in within one uh, within one book and such, but uh, have I always been a Spider-Man fan? Of course, the classic '60s cartoon, uh, all go. the different uh, cartoon iterations, all the Raimi films. I even love the Garfield films. Uh, I love the current Holland films. So yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a big big Spider-Man fan. But my Spider-Man comic knowledge, as far as reading physically reading comics from from this era, yeah, pretty pretty weak. I'm not gonna lie. Interesting. Okay, okay. Now, quick question for my own personal interest: Are you a fan of Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends, the cartoon? <laughs> which, which which one is that? That's the yeah. one where he's roommates with Iceman and Firestar. 
No? I don't know that I'm familiar with that one. I'm going to have to check that one out. You're all laughing. Is it super bad or what's going on? Mike asks this question to like every every date he's ever had. And they say, what are you talking about? He just gets up and leaves. That's my opening line. Exactly. Not going to waste my time here. But anyway, okay, so this is an odd place to come in, I guess. You know, for Spider-Man comics, this is late, uh, mid to late 80s, 87. We've got a crossover with Power Pack, and then we have a Spider-Man vs. Wolverine special, which is going to take a lot of explanation before we even get to that review, but stick with us. First, we're going to talk about Power Pack, and this is obviously during the period where Spider-Man had his black costume. Are you familiar with the story about the black costume, Jeff? I am, yes, With uh, before it goes to Eddie Brock, because we're, we're just a few, what are we, about a year or two before McFarlane? Yes. Now, yeah, and just so you know, this is actually not the alien alien costume. This is the cloth reproduction of the oh, alien costume. So, gotcha. yes. Yeah, gotcha. so this is the okay. second black costume. And uh, you've actually des- uh, decided to volunteer to summarize this issue. You only have to summarize it in a couple minutes. Basically, just tell the listeners roughly what happened in this story. Power Pack number 33. Uh, Yeah, so Power Pack 33, uh, you start off with Sunspot and Warlock. Uh, They're just uh, having a conversation, and Sunspot's a little down on his his heroics as of late, and they witness the Vulture, a classic Spider-Man villain, robbing an armored car. Uh, Him and Warlock tear off after uh, the Vulture, and Warlock transforms himself into a spaceship. Uh, As they catch up to him, young Franklin Richards, uh, the son of uh, Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Girl, has a vision of Warlock as a spaceship going across the sky and thinks it's a snark ship. The snarks are a classic villain that the Power Pack have been fighting, I think, pretty much since the get-go. Franklin, in his dream form, I guess like an astral projection, goes to the, uh, the Power Children, the other four of them that make up the Power Pack, and tell them that he's seen some snarks. Uh, the kids make up an excuse to their parents, tell them they're going to bed. They set up a, a dummy in the beds, and then they suit up and head out, hoping to find the snark ship, which, again, in this case, was Warlock transformed the whole time. The kids hit Sunspot and Warlock, and then, of course, introductions are in order. Uh, Sunspot and Warlock let the kids know that they were chasing after Vulture, when suddenly there's a car crash, and the car is in need of repair. So... Throughout the issue so far, Sunspot's been pretty down in his abilities as a hero. He's uh, having a hard time finding his place in the New Mutants, so he decides to fix the car for them, and the car speeds away. And then they realize that the car actually had the bad guys in it. So they go chasing (laughs) after the car, catch the car, but Sunspot is still thinking that he's not a very good hero. Him and Warlock take off, and they decide they're going to try to find somebody else to get into a scrap with. Uh, They think they found a villain, and they jump him, and it turns out it's your pal and mine, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then the power pack show up as well. And Spidey gives a little pep talk to Sunspot as he's once again uh, getting down on himself. Uh, There's even a classic scene where he's sort of, oh, woe is me, throwing his hand back and his his, his hand up on his forehead. Uh, They go speeding off with Warlock again. And the power pack kids have an idea. They're going to try to boost Sunspot's uh, self-confidence by giving him a supervillain for him to fight. Uh, So they take Julie, who has the power to change her molecular density. She grows tall, and they cover her in a sheet with a bunch of crazy little props on her. And they send her tearing off after uh, Sunspot. Sunspot and Warlock show up just in time. An epic battle ensues. Julie is defeated uh, before 
she disappears. The kids have a bit of a freak out, and it's only then that Sunspot sees that he's been duped yet again. And again, a crisis of confidence has taken place. All the way through this, by the way, Warlock keeps asking to go home, and Sunspot keeps saying, no, we're not hero enough. Warlock is finally fed up with his shit, grabs him, throws him into his belly as a spaceship, and blasts off, heading back to wherever the new mutants hang out. I'm going to assume it's at the mansion with the rest of the X-Men. And then the kids decide it's going to go back home. Franklin Richards goes back to sleep because he's been there in his dream self the whole time. The kids manage to sneak in. The parents catch them, read them the riot act, and the kids go to bed ready for another madcap adventure next month. <laughs> So here's the thing. Uh, we've actually read a surprisingly high number of issues of Power Pack on this podcast. This is about maybe the fifth time Spider-Man's shown up. Um, I don't think this issue was quite as good as previous ones. Uh, and I have a, a little bit of an issue with the art, which we'll talk about later. But I really did enjoy the story. And the, the whole thing of them creating a fake bad guy for Sunspot to fight and dressing up in this almost Looney Tunes-esque ridiculous costume... I thought it was great, especially because I'm assuming this is aimed at a younger audience. So I really did enjoy this issue. But Jeff, I just want to know, this is your first impression of Power Pack. What did you think of this issue? Definitely geared towards kids, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And I did, I really liked the interaction between the kids themselves. It felt very natural. I felt the conversations very flow. I mean, it's been discussed before, I'm sure. But you have to interject a lot of exposition in the comics. Like, like people will just say things to each other that everybody's already well aware of, but just so the reader yes. can get a sense of what's going on. Um, but I felt like the conversations, the 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 warlock uh, sunspot got a little bit uh, much after a while. Uh, sunspot's constant uh, existential crisis going through the entire comic, and then warlock's speech is just difficult to follow already. Uh, with his version of self and such. So um, I felt that was that made it a little bit more difficult. And yeah, there's like three panels of Spider-Man. So we definitely could have used a little bit more of, uh, of our favorite uh, wall crawler. But overall, I did like the issue. And I think as far as kids go, I think kids would really, really dig it for the reasons that you detailed, Michael. The kids coming together and making a fake monster for trying to make Sunspot feel better about himself. That's well, That's a great message for them to put across, right? Right, right. Uh, Joshua Mervell, you've read a few power packs now. Uh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, um, I, I think kind of echoing what you guys said, it was a, a pretty fun read. There's a lot going on. It's super fast paced. Um, uh, I, I think that the stuff with Warlock and Sunspot is a little weak. And maybe it's due to the fact that we kind of have to like stop to bring in some other characters just to kind of have them there like like uh, 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 like Spider-Man coming in and Vulture and like all of these other characters um, just kind of like interrupting the story maybe took away from some of the time we could have spent like developing maybe a little bit more why Sunspot is so upset because they really just all amount to um, like cameos in the comic. But, but it was still pretty fun. Uh, yeah, again, fast-paced and like campy and it really does feel like a kid saturday morning cartoon mm -hmm. mm. uh jolie gi jolie you just read this one today right what did you think of this one i read both of them today don't be silly <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um oh it was cute um i is my favorite part is julie psychology 101ing everybody throughout the entire the entire issue it was really weird um by favorite i mean like not favorite at all and kind of annoying um mm. 
I mean, we're going to get to the art, but which it doesn't seem like you liked or you had issues with. I did not, unfortunately. I actually really liked it. Um, yeah, I, like Jeff said, it's sort of, sorry. I, know, I was going to say, I actually love the art. I, I love the pencils. I'm not sure about Hillary Barter's inks. That's what I was going to say, but you can go ahead. Oh, is that what he did? Is he primarily an inker? Mm. I, okay, because I saw Hillary Barter on here. Yeah, well, Hilary Barda is a more of a cartoonist, like a funny animal or a satirical cartoonist. And I think we've met him at conventions. He's a really good artist. It's just that I don't know if his pairing with John Bogdanove works here. So, yeah, what I mean to say is it was really hard to discern what his credit was in the book right. because of the way that the credits are laid out. So I thought he was, I was like, oh, that's weird. Hilary Barda is usually um, an artist, but like he's listed as part of the writing team I don't well know. no i, 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 I can't what, tell i think what they're implying is it, it might be because it says john bogenevy and hillary barda are the artists now it's possible they just switched off on pages but it's also possible john bogenevy oh. did layouts and hillary barda just finished them i'm not sure okay sorry i see it now i'm also not reading the words editor or editor in relief ha ha, ha. Uh, okay. okay um because <laughs> it looks like four people are the artists and I'm an gotcha. idiot. Um, okay. Or I'm not as attentive. I'm not an idiot, but I'm not as attentive as I should be. Also, anyway, um, yeah, I really, really enjoy the art. Um, I don't really mind the inking either. Uh, the coloring is weird. Uh, but that is just, I feel like it's, I feel like it's just like a product of its time and mm -hmm. a product of us reading reprints that have been recolored. I think, it's actually just not, like, I think it's just a scan. That's why it looks odd, because it's just a, a scan of a newsprint comic. That's probably why it looks funny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm used to reading scanned reprints, which are recolored for this show. And that's why this may look different to me, mm -hmm. because it's actually scans of the original. Mm -hmm. um, like, on, on certain pages, you can actually see through to the other side of the page where the ads are mm, so like, gotcha, it, like yeah when they when they do like the big coloring for the background where it's like a big solid color like purple or blue oftentimes mm -hmm. you can see the other side of the paper in these scans that we're reading mm -hmm. yeah so like i was saying i i concur with jeff it's like uh it, it's meant for it's meant for an adolescent audience which i think who they it was who power pack is targeting um, but it's still like palatable for an adult to read. There's a lot. Um, I can't imagine being like a 10 year old, a 10 to 16 year old reading power pack and like understanding um, what's his name? Warlock. Robot. Warlock. Robot. Warlock. Warlock. Yeah. yeah. I barely could keep up with Warlock as well. So I don't know if that's a thing, but maybe it shouldn't be a thing. Becca? The <laughs> Well, I'll say quickly, sorry, Becca, Warlock's speech pattern was created by Chris Claremont. And he's one of those writers that gets a little bit self-indulgent with like, let's do a funny accent or let's give this guy a weird speech pattern and then make the issue 10 times more difficult to read. Yeah. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Becca, what did you think of Power Pack 33? I don't like the Power Pack. <laughs> no! I know. I know. And I feel like if I was a kid, I would have hated it, too. Um, I just, when I was 
the age that these children are. I was reading like I wanted to to see what Superman was feeling. I don't I don't want to I don't care about children because I was a children, right? Like, <laughs> and not, it's not that I don't like kids. It's just God, they're annoying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Um. Yeah, you just have like. It's a lot going on, right? So you've got Sunspot being a whiny bitch the whole time. You've the got whole time. the whole mm-hmm. time. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't conclude at all. No, no. Um, you, Warlock in his difficult to read speech pattern, and then the Power Pack who are, are talking like children, and like every Power Pack issue, you have to learn a lesson. It's like they're all after school specials, right? right. So if I was like ten. This would be a lot for a ten-year-old. Like this would this would take me a month to read. I'd be like, "Oh Jesus, I got my like work cut out for me." Uh, like all crossovers, thought it was pretty pointless. Like it didn't add anything that it was Sunspot or Warlock or Spider Man was there for two panels. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, cool Spider Man, but like, why is he on the cover? <laughs> he doesn't do yeah, anything. Yeah, to read it, right? That's the yeah, like that's. That's what I hate about these crossovers so much. It's like, oh, in this issue, Power Pack team up with Spider-Man. No, they don't. They run into him, which is fine. I love that the universe is vast and big and superheroes run into each other all the time. But the Power Pack does not team up with Spider-Man in this issue. I will say one thing I did. I really did dig, though, is that there was no villain in this issue. You Vulture's see Vulture, there, kind of. <laughs> yeah, but for like a page and a half, right? And then he's gone. We never see Vulture again. He's not even really referenced after that. And then there's no villain. The only villain is Sunspot's whininess. That's that's the biggest, <laughs> his, self, his existential crisis throughout the whole comic. And the kid's trying to solve that problem. There's no muhahaha comic book villain there going after the kids like that. I thought that was kind of a cool twist that you don't see very often in comics right. in this era. Yeah, it the was real better, villain yeah. is the inability to tell the truth. <laughs> I thought it was going to be your teenage hormones and your mutation probably aren't helping the fact that you're sad for, for no reason and you don't understand why and maybe if your parents like were there to help you figure it out it, you would but they're not so you just and what kind of dad is Charles Xavier a bad one so <laughs> look I was a pretty whiny emo teen too and I feel like just having sun absorption powers would make that worse <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, uh, I want to talk about the art again briefly. Um, John Bogdanovich is one of my favorite artists. I, I think it's Bogdanovich, one, one of my favorite artists. And so is Hilary Barta. He's a great artist. Um, I did think the inks were too thick, but I noticed that if I look at the page, kind of like shrunk a little bit on my computer, it looks. you can see how perfect these layouts and this storytelling is. Like, he really is a great artist. Um, they both are. But, uh, Jeff, what did you think of the art in this one? What's funny about that is, is I mentioned before when we were talking before we started recording is that I was more when I collected during this time frame, I was more into DC than I was into Marvel. And at the time when I was collecting, I think in 90 or 91, uh, John Bogdanovich was doing the uh, the layouts for Man of Steel. Right. During the death of Superman and then the reign of the Superman. Uh, and I hated them at that point in that right. run because everything seemed really, really exaggerated and really the lines were so harsh. I, I don't know. It didn't really in this one. This is a few years before. It seems like his style is a lot more muted than it was in Man of Steel. It's not as brash and not as harsh as it was then. So I didn't mind them here at all. Other than, yeah, like we've talked about the wonky coloring and such due to the scan. I thought the layouts were fine. 
You know, it's funny. I, I hated John Bogdanovi when he was doing X Factor for just the reason you said. Everything was so over the top and exaggerated. And then when he went to Man of Steel, I actually thought he was better. But what I realized was I think he's one of those guys that needs extra time to draw because I've seen him do like commissions where it's just like one image or like a poster. And he is incredible. I think the problem is, is that on a, on a monthly comic, he's rushed. So he's probably finding ways to uh, cut corners. He's yeah. probably just like, okay, just get it done, get it done. But uh, I, as I got older, I definitely liked his stuff. But when I was younger, I did not enjoy it, just like you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Josh, did you talk about the art? No, uh, I, I kind of uh, I think that the the inking is I, I kind of like the inking in certain spots. Um, I those like really exaggerated thick lines really help uh, sell like perspective um, in some panels. In others, it definitely does feel rushed, and it's like the entire panel is like drawn with the heavy hand. But uh, when you look at something like that that opening splash page with warlock walking and he's doing this like crazy walk where the foot is in the foreground and he's in the background the the foot being like heavily inked and then as yes. it goes far further away it just like helps to sell um like this this movement that's happening and then later on uh when vulture is flying away as well we get this like really awesome close-up of vulture's face and the lines are so thick and then mm -hmm. um in the background we see warlock and sunspot kind of flying towards him and it's just a silhouette and then the further back you go the thinner the lines are so like the city at the bottom is like super super thin lines so like there's definitely moments where i think it really kind of stands out and i kind of like that it's so pushed um but then there are definitely other moments where it's just like close up of, of like one of the kids faces and it's just like big, huge, thick lines and it doesn't feel like it needs to be that exaggerated. So um, right, right. I, I think it totally works, though, for this comic. Again, those exaggerations kind of fit in with the the like childish, campy nature of the story. So I, I thought it was uh, I thought the art was really great for the story. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And Becca, did you talk about the art yet? No, I thought it was okay. You... I didn't really, nothing really like jumped out at me too much, I guess. Like, okay. I'm always talking about like, there's always like that one panel that I'm like, yes. And then this one, I was like, eh, it's all like, it's all bad by any stretch of the mean, mm -hmm. but I just maybe am not as into this kind of style. Like, it seems like if you're feeling rushed and stuff, maybe don't do so much heavy background work because then it could start to get muddy. Sure. Right. Um, but I always loved how people draw Sunspot, especially old Sunspot. Oh, I yes. Love how he's just Kirby Crackles all the way around, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, obviously, you can't really be boring and draw Warlock. It's, like, not really possible. <laughs> to, mm -hmm. I don't think it would work as much because I've seen Warlock drawn more, like, modern, and I don't think it works as well as when he's, like, so much like a different character style than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at any modern warlock stuff, he's just like this big robot instead of like this weird alien robot. So I do appreciate that. But yeah, I think I just don't like power pack. I think I just like don't like being told what lesson I need to learn. It's like, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to learn anything. That's why I'm reading comic books. If I wanted to learn stuff, I'd read other books. I That's remember mine. kids like you when I used to be a tutor. Anyway, okay, so uh, <laughs> I was a straight A four point GPA student. Okay, 
Sometimes okay, you want a break okay. and you want to raid superheroes punching each other. <laughs> okay. I did like the way he did the, uh, the, the effect on Franklin uh, Richards, especially when he first appears to the rest of the power pack, because the, the bottom half of him is all kind of squiggled out because mm. it's like his dream self or whatever. I thought that was a really unique way of doing that. It's almost like he's just slightly at a phase, but only like from the bottom <laughs> half down. I thought that was a unique way of doing that. I thought that looked pretty cool. That couldn't have been even, easy to pull off. Even just, you know, I, I'm not a huge, I don't really care as much as other people about like a shared universe, but I love the fact that they're on this adventure and then Franklin Richards just shows up. He's like, hey guys, I'm just having a dream. And the fact that he's a character from Fantastic Four, but he's always here, I think is so freaking awesome. Josh, what are you going to say? <laughs> it's so weird. Too. It almost looks like he's drawn in a completely different style. Like his eyes are just like like yeah. Calvin and Hobbes, just like dots most of the time. Even, yeah, right. even when he's standing next to the other kids, they have like fully rendered eyes and he's still like these two dots like a you know, Charlie Brown character or something. And then him just like <laughs> popping up to, you know, comment on things. And then at the end, when they all kind of go their other, go their own way, he, he turns to them and says, good night, power pack. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. No, nobody responds to him. No one says it back. Yeah. yeah After bye, he Frank. says, I love you. He's just like, okay, bye. Friends owned. Yeah. It's funny because I saw on Twitter, I think there was a, a story about how Marvel's like, we, you know, when we do Avengers 5, it's got to be an even bigger threat than Thanos. I'm like, why don't you just do Power Pack and Spider Man and Warlock mm. hang out? And Franklin Richards says, I love you at the end. Why can't that be the movie, right? Yeah. Ah, whatever. I mean, I would watch it. Right. Where anyway. are Reed and Sue? How come? Three. <laughs> How come, like, Franklin can just leave the Baxter oh, building not, and, and not, they though. don't notice? He's, he's no, not it's only there. his dream self. Like, but yeah. like, you think Reed would have, like, some sort of sensors, be like, oh, my kid's out astral projecting again. Gotta, <laughs> you know, maybe figure that <laughs> out. He's the smartest point. man in the world. Mm-hmm. Use that science to uh, figure out the, the supernatural science between behind detecting astral the astral plane because this is like pre this is like when franklin richards is like oh that's my power is i can have a dream self and then he then later on we realize no it's a lot more than that but like Mm -hmm. because franklin didn't have any powers originally right he's just kind of like a boy (laughs) i don't think so but yeah i kind of developed as we went along and they're like what if we made him the most powerful being in all the Marvel universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I, I have to say. Nobody says I love you to him. He could kill them. Exactly. That's why, yeah. Rude. <laughs> super villain origin. So, anyway, sad to say this is probably the last issue of Power Pack we'll read on Spider-Cast because this is the last guest appearance of Spidey in a Power Pack comic in the 80s. So, sad to see you go, guys. barely here. <laughs> I love. Do you see pack, the giant anyway. grin on Becca's face? Oh, no more power pack. Oh, oh beans. See no, you later, you stinking kids. There's no blood and punching <laughs> in power pack. It's for children. Uh, okay, so I, I and that's going to contrast with our next book. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, mm. before we wrap up, uh, Jeff, do you recommend this comic book? 
Yeah, if, if you're like in that 10 to 12 to 15 year old sort of range and you're looking for just some good slapstick fun, and especially if you were a New Mutants fan so that you already knew Sunspot and Warlock and you were kind of used to their speech pattern and overall whininess. Yeah, it's it's a great comic for kids. Like I said, no villain. The message is, is the is the comic. I think that's great. So if, if you're a 40 year old, bitter old man like me, no, I don't recommend this comic. No, you're you're going to be disappointed. All right. <laughs> Parker, Parker, do you like this comic? What do you think? <laughs> I'm it. so sorry. He loved it. Uh, he loved it. It's the perfect age range. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, I think that if you're interested in in reading Power Pack, sorry for his snoring. If you're interested in reading Power Pack, then I would recommend this. Or if you're in the age range to read it, I would recommend it. But um, I don't think it was like... It, it didn't stand out enough for me to go out of my way to recommend it to just anybody, if that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, it was good, though. For those listeners out there that can't see our video feed, there is a dog on Josh, Josh's lap, and that's where, yeah. where these grunting and snoring it's is coming very from. Needy. Sorry, guys. Yeah. It's not my audio that's doing that. I just want to yeah. be clear. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't <laughs> Becca. Uh, G.I. Julie, do you recommend this comic? It's only partially my audio. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I I too snorted and I had to yeah. Um, oh no, no one could beat that snorting. It was like prolonged for a few seconds. I enjoy it. It lets us know he's there. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, maybe I'm annoyed by kids too. Because I, mm-hmm. I was like, no, Becca's on to something. I didn't enjoy it that much, and I don't know why. And I think that might be it. Whiny children are not my bag. But, um, yeah, I'll recommend it, especially to the age range that it's meant for. But also, uh, okay, I can't recommend it. This is a Spider Cast. I can't recommend it to anyone who reads Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I recommend that they look elsewhere for Spider Man for sure. Wow, he's still at it, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay anyway okay yeah. bex luthor do you recommend Yo, this comic what up um actually i'm gonna say yeah i'm gonna Whoa. shock everybody and you want to know why because just because i don't like something doesn't mean that it's bad it just means it's not for me Whoa! i know Whoa, the hottest no, take on the I, internet holy crap i don't like something doesn't mean it's crap <laughs> no sometimes oh. things aren't for you but that's gotta get on theater and talk about how much i hate this thing yeah, it's, I hate it, and it's bad, and nobody else should like it, and if they like it, they're wrong. No, um, I'm not a 12-year-old girl anymore, despite my physique, so uh, <laughs> so it's no wonder that I didn't like this, and I'm not surprised that Mike liked it, because I'm sure when he was young, he read this, and so that makes sense. I, I did, but I would have if it was Exactly, there. like, here's the thing, I'm not 12, and I'm not going to enjoy comics Mostly. I say mostly because sometimes I do. I like a good My Little Pony as much as the next brony, but <laughs> um, it's not for me. And I, these are not the type of stories that I want to read. So instead of talking about how shit it is, I'm just going to go and read the stories that I would like to read because those also exist and things can coexist in the world. Look at that. There's our lesson for the day. Thank you, Becca. 
You're welcome. <laughs> Bet way better lesson than in this issue. Just kidding. Not really. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. On that note, Take now that, we internet! Gonna... Come for me. You can find me <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> okay. Here we go, folks. Uh, now, just to give a very short backstory to this, Jeff, uh, are you familiar with a character called the Hobgoblin? <laughs> familiar in such that I know there's a character called the Hobgoblin. That's that's where, okay. where my familiarity ends. Okay, so that's fine. So part of my obsession with the 80s Spidey is my obsession with the Hobgoblin because the Hobgoblin was introduced in 1983 and they kept his identity a secret for about four and a half years, okay? Mm -hmm. And the original writer had one idea, then the second writer had another idea, and then blah, blah, blah. Basically, what happened was at this point, Tom DeFalco was the main writer on Amazing Spider-Man, and he had one, I, I think he had a person in mind that he wanted to be the Hobgoblin. Peter David was writing Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, and he had his idea of who was going to be the Hobgoblin. And then Jim Owsley, who later became Christopher Priest, who you might have heard of. I'm not sure if you know Christopher Priest. He wrote Black Panther and stuff like that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yep. Yeah. He was the editor of Spider-Man at the time at the young age of 25. He was in charge oh. of this whole thing. And for some reason, he decided to go behind everyone's back, write this story. And I don't know if anyone knows this, but Ned Leeds is supposed to be the Hobgoblin and Jim Owsley kills Ned Leeds in this story. Yeah, boy, howdy, does he ever. Right, so he yeah. wrote it behind everyone's He wrote it behind everyone's back, they drew the issue, and then he told, he'd already fired Tom DeFalco, which we'll talk about next week, and then he told Peter David, oh, by the way, uh, Ned Leeds can't be the Hobgoblin because I'm killing him in Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Peter David's like, that's impossible. Like, we've set it all up to be this way. So anyway, the point of the story is, is that the Spider-Man editorial office was a mess at this time. Jim uh, Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. He was also fired soon after this. So maybe there's more going on here than we know about. But in the midst of all this, this issue comes out. First of all, Ned Leeds could be taken out and be exactly the same story. So I don't know why they had to stick Ned Leeds in this story. But um, this issue has always been one of my favorites, and we're going to talk about what happens right now. So, Spider-Man versus Wolverine special. So, we start off with a flashback to the past. We know it's the past because Wolverine is wearing his yellow and black, or sorry, yellow and blue costume, which at the time he was not wearing. And he's narrating in a kind of um, hard-boiled detective kind of style the story about him and this guy, this person named Charlie who was, pardon me, a KGB operative that I guess had turned on the KGB. And uh, he had to, oh my God, you guys got to help me out. There's so much narration here. But basically, this person, Charlie, had decided to defect from the KGB. And mm -hmm. in this flashback, I don't even remember, I just know that Wolverine's killing people. But I don't remember oh. exactly what the motivation was for Charlie doing what Charlie I did. sometimes. They yeah. KGB ordered... They they sent her on a mission, and then after the mission, they ordered a hit on her. She survived, right. and then in turn decided that she was going to kill everybody that tried to, like, accomplish that hit for the KGB. Right. Right. Okay, so, so in this flashback, we get this classic Wolverine narration that I love, which is, you know, I should have blacked out. In a way, I guess I did. I remember my scream, involuntary, every muscle nodded. Guess the man in me was blacked out. 
all that was left was the animal. And then we see just, you know, claws and blood and everything. And this is classic 80s Wolverine. And then on the next page, all these dead bodies around him. He's standing there with his claws out. This, this is great stuff. This is what I love. I ate this up when I was a kid. So basically, at the end of the scene, he sees this little heart locket that's left behind by Charlie. And he's like, oh, the charm proved that Charlie's way of saying I won. So now Charlie disappears. Wolverine doesn't know where Charlie is. Then we cut to, so we can only assume that was pre-X-Men uh, Wolverine, maybe, when he was Weapon X. Then we cut to the present. And this is where it's a little bit confusing because in the present day, whenever there's narration, we usually have different colored um, narration boxes. Now, in this comic, Wolverines are pink and Spider-Mans are yellow, but... Nowadays, we usually get more of an indication, like a little Spidey logo, right? Or colors that match the costume. So sometimes it's hard to understand who's talking. But we cut to narration by Spider-Man, and he's narrating himself as he's swinging through the city, kind of just going through the routine of his, you know, Spidey life. The typical stuff, back to his apartment, uh, Daily Bugle, gets an assignment. And what we find out is that Ned Leeds, who's one of the top reporters at the Bugle, has been working on a story uh, connecting, you know, the KGB together with certain things that are going on. Peter Parker is with Aunt May, blah, 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 the same old thing. Peter Parker gets sent on this mission. Uh, oh, first, sorry, there's this little subplot with a sniper uh, that Spider-Man gets involved in, which turns out to be, we find out later, is Charlie who's killing off KGB agents because, you know, oh, no, this per these, this mom-and-pop couple who owned, like, a little store, you know, how could those innocent people get killed? Well, it turns out that they were KGB agents. So, Spider-Man, actually, oh, and this is the other thing. Apparently, this is the issue where Spider-Man and Mary Jane, uh, what's that called? They reconcile? They re... What's it called when you re... Rekindle? Rekindle the romance. Technically, they hadn't been a couple since, like, Amazing Spider-Man, what, 183 or something? And this is when they finally rekindle the romance. And then within a year of this, they get married. So anyway, so that's an important part of this. Uh, so anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> so, Jay, so J. Jonah Jameson uh, sends Ned Leeds and Peter Parker on this mission to Berlin. And then we're cutting back and forth. Now we're with Wolverine's narration. He's explaining what's how the X-Men are in a disarray because of the mutant massacre, blah, blah, blah. Wolverine... Goes to Berlin, you know, he's tracked down by these two K KGB uh, agents. He kills them. Um, pardon me. And then he ends up uh, tracking down Spider-Man. Oh, oh, I love this scene. He's walking through a crowd and he's like, I pick up a scent that sets off all my alarms. I'm genuinely surprised I don't show it. That kid, never saw him before in my life, but scents don't lie. That's Spider-Man. And I just love, Josh and I have talked about this before. This is 20 years into this Marvel universe, but at this point, not everybody knew each other's identity. So it's kind of cool because Josh and I, we've read the issue where Captain America learns his identity. We might have read, I don't remember, Iron Man learning it. So this is still like a, now everybody knows everybody's identity, right? Mm -hmm. In like 2021. Back then it was kind of like a slow burn thing which i really like so wolverine comes to i, I love this wolverine comes to spider-man's like hotel room and tries to convince him basically listen you're in over your head go back home you don't want to get involved with this and of course spider-man ignores him spider-man by the way did not bring his costume with him so they go swinging around town spider-man's wearing his street clothes with just his web shooters and wolverine's trying to explain to him you know you, you just go back home this is 
too much for you. You're just a kid, whatever. Spider-Man goes back to his apartment. He opens up the door, and sure enough, Ned Leeds is dead. Now, I should also point out, <clears throat> besides Ned Leeds being the secret identity of the Hobgoblin, he's also been a supporting character in Spider-Man for like 20 years. So this is a fairly big deal at the time, which makes it also kind of odd that he was just shoehorned into the story for no reason. So Wolverine shows up. Uh, oh, by the way, so the, all these KGB agents uh, come out of the woodwork. Wolverine shows up, and Wolverine, of course, kills them all. Uh, they take off, and Spider-Man is not listening to Wolverine's advice because he remembers, just like he does in every issue of Spider-Man, that with great power comes great responsibility, so he knows he's got to help out. So he goes to this costume shop in what is one of my favorite scenes in the book, and because he didn't bring his costume with him, he's got to find something in this costume shop that looks like his Spider-Man costume. So he's using like a little German-English kind of dictionary, explaining to him, he's trying to f explain to the guy what he wants. He's like, uh, I want uh, a bodysuit. Uh, no, that's not what I The bodysuit, bodysuit. And then the guy's, this German guy's like, I don't have any black bodysuits. And he's like, you speak English? So do you. <laughs> and he's like, uh, I don't have any black bodysuits sold out. He's like, in fact, the only thing like that in the whole store isn't for sale. It belongs to my son who's going to wear it to a party tomorrow. Just finish it today. But it's not black and it's rather silly looking. He holds up an actual Spider-Man costume, which is awesome. So Peter Parker's like, I just want to die. So then he cuts to the next shot and Spider-Man swings through the city. And he's like, oh, you know, you know everything's fine now. I got my Spider-Man costume. It's just like the original. Well, almost. And on the back, it says, die spine, which does anyone here know German? I'm assuming that means the spider. It says, uh, die Spina. Yeah. What does that mean? The spider. Oh, there you go. Jolie, who not only knows English, you also know Lao, uh, Leo, uh, sorry, Laotian, Thai, and Italian, and now German? Yeah, I've been doing it on Duolingo. That's so it's weird awesome. that he went to a clothing store called Geschlossen, which means closed anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe that was a mis- <laughs> <laughs> I only See, knew it now- said The Spider because of that episode of The Simpsons, where uh. you get... <laughs> Sideshow Bob gets a tattoo, and I went. It says "Die Bart, die," and he, they're like, "Obviously, you kill. You were gonna try to kill Bart," and he's like, "No, it means the Bart the in German." And I was like, "Ah, dies the." <laughs> so you know, thank you, pop culture. So Jolie, you're one of those people that's learned, that's taken advantage of the of the uh, pandemic as an opportunity to learn another language. That's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, pre-pandemic, but it's free. Come on, get on it, folks. Okay. I actually have watched all the episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah seems like I a lot of. Have a book somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I tried to learn German too. I gave up after five minutes. Anyway, so basically, Spider-Man uh, meets up with Wolverine. They do what you do in Berlin, which is go over the wall into uh, East Berlin, and uh, he tries to track down a Spidey tracer, but Wolverine planted it on someone else. And then we get a little twist in the book where. Wolverine finally meets up with Charlie, and this is where we learn Charlie's actually a girl. And he finds out what's been going on, and uh, they, you know, it's hinted that they hook up um, in the American lingo. And then uh, in the next scene, they're in a bar, <laughs> and they're hanging out. And we get a really cool kind of scene where they're basically talking about how they know that they're being watched. They know that everyone in the bar is probably KGB. And then, of course, you know, they're trying to be subtle. And then uh, Charlie's like, let's not spoil things. Next scene, we see 
five people, you know, being thrown out of the kitchen and Wolverine does a face palm. He's like, oh no. We see Spider-Man standing in full costume in the doorway. And he's like, for crying out loud, what's a fellow got to do to see a menu in this place? He jumps on the table. Wolverine's got his head, he, again, face palmed. When Spider-Man's like, hi, Wolverine. Uh, did you know the fruit was poisoned? Yes. Did you know you were trapped here? Yes. Did you know everyone in the joint's packing some mean hardware? Yes. So basically... <laughs> The relationship here is like dumb kid and experienced veteran, and I freaking love it. This is probably the only Spider-Man Wolverine story I've ever enjoyed. It's excellent. Anyway, so now they're off getting shot at by KGB agents. Of course, Wolverine's got to do his thing, pops his claws, does the Frank Miller, kills everyone, pretty much. Uh, they escape. Charlie disappears. And then they uh, they track down the rest of the agents that they're after, and I don't even remember what happens after this. I don't even remember what this. What, what, oh, it's because they're trying to kill Charlie because Charlie was trying to kill them. That's mm -hmm. pretty much it, right? And he's still trying to convince Spider-Man to, to get out of here, to leave. And Spider-Man's like, no, I'm not leaving, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Wolverine goes home and meditates. Spider-Man goes home and just goes to sleep. And, and, then, uh, and then Wolverine um, ends up going to uh oh he find oh this is what it is so then wolverine ends up meeting up with charlie in a cemetery and basically what the idea is now is that charlie has killed everyone that she wanted to kill so now she knows that the kgb is not only going to kill her they're going to capture her and torture her and so in order to avoid that the only way she can get out of it is to be murdered or to die or to kill herself so she asks wolverine to just kill her so he you know just like he did in you know x-men 3 with phoenix he walks up to her and he's gonna pop his claws and he wants to kill her but he just can't bring himself to do it he's like i flinched she's still alive and he's he's like I, you know i want to say goodbye say anything instead i just pop my claws one last cut and it'll be over but he but just before he can do it spider-man webs him up and stops him and he's trying to convince him that it's you know the wrong thing to do and blah blah blah. And then they start fighting, fist fighting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for a few pages. And then this is this is again a contrast to the power pack issue. Spider-Man is beating the crap out of Wolverine, like smashing his head into like a tombstone, beating him senseless. Wolverine's on top of him, and then Wolverine's like, you know, you didn't have the guts to do it, but right now I could kill you. All I gotta do is pop my claws up through your throat. And then, you know, they talk it out. All of a sudden, a hel helicopter shows up. Um, they're, uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. And then a hand comes up from behind Spider-Man. Spider-Man thinks it's Wolverine. So he, in his rage, turns around and punches who he thinks is Wolverine as hard as he can in the face. But it turns out it wasn't Wolverine. It was actually Charlie. And so now Spider-Man has done what he was trying to convince Wolverine not to do. And that's that he's killed Charlie. So all of it, then the media shows up, the cops show up, uh, they take off. Oh, sorry, no, this is, is this, the K, this is all KGB? I don't even know. It's, yeah, yeah, it's KGB, MI6, all of them. Right, it's everybody, yeah. And then Wolverine's like, actually, she's dead. So then they all take off. They're not interested anymore. They don't care. So Wolverine goes back to the States. Spider-Man is going through, um, what's it called, the uh, customs. And he keeps flashing back to that moment where he kills Charlie. And he feels so guilty for about it obviously he keeps flashing back flashing back and then basically he doesn't know what to do so then he goes back home and he calls mary jane actually just like he did after he accidentally killed gwen stacy mary jane shows up at his apartment to kind of like comfort him and that's pretty much the end and he's like i hold her tight i close my eyes we make the pain go away and that is the end 
And that's it. And I'll just say uh, I love this story. It's always been one of my favorites. Um, I know it's kind of an odd duck in this this era of Spider-Man because it's written by Jim Owsley and all this weird stuff with Ned Leeds kind of, kind of knocks it down a notch for me. But other than that, I thought it was a really good story with Wolverine and Spider-Man. Uh, Joshua Mervell, what did you think? Yeah, this was super fun. Um, I, I really like the dynamic between Spidey and Wolverine. Um, I almost forget that Spidey is in a different place because it always feels awkward and like it doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere besides New York but the story is so well done and the characters work so great together that I just forget that they're not in New York and it doesn't feel like out of place or anything um the the whole Spider-Man killing her killing Charlie at the end thing is kind of a weird move to have like Spider-Man be the one to like actually kill her. I I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe they could have had, uh, maybe they could have done like the green goblin thing where he dodges Wolverine's claws and Wolverine gets her or something, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, all in all, I thought it was a pretty, uh, fun, interesting, uh, uh, a little bit more of like a darker tone story than, um, uh, worked right 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 uh jeff what was your opinion on uh spider-man versus wolverine i well first of all i think the title might be a little bit of a misnomer because I, I think there's 64 pages in this comic and i think they they versus each other for about a page and a half so the, sure. the, the lead up to that fight for <laughs> me was a little bit too long i would have liked to have seen more of the two of them duking it out um i gotta say so all of the wolverine especially the wolverine self-dialogue i thought was fantastic the way they wrote wolverine is this like you mentioned mike like this grizzled veteran this is the first time I've really gotten a sense of, of where Wolverine has been and, and the kind of shit he's done. Um, it really had some weight and some gravitas to what he was all about and what he was doing. On the other hand, if you thought Sunspot was a whiny bitch in Power Pack, <laughs> holy shit. The whole comic, Peter is such a fucking bummer, man. He is so down on himself the whole time. And I don't remember it being like, if this is indicative of Peter Parker in that, in that time frame, like he's calling himself useless. He's like, what am I even doing here? And he said, yeah. And, and, you know, he throws the costume away for the 8 millionth time. And I just felt like I I mentioned this earlier before. I think the reason in the nineties I gravitated so much towards DC instead of Marvel is I understand Marvel is trying to make him a relatable guy. I don't want to remember that I have to, you know, take pictures to earn money to pay rent or I'm going to starve. I don't want to remember what it was like to be an angsty teen and my dad wouldn't let me have the car. Like I, I don't want to remember what it's like to feel useless. I want some level of escapism. And I feel like the Wolverine half of the story did that really, really well. And the Spider-Man half of the story did not, unfortunately. Um, so that really kind of t- every time it was, he was talking to himself and just completely shitting on himself. It really took me out of the story. Um, I did like the end, though. I'm going to have to go against what Josh said. I I thought it was a really unique way of doing that, having him inadvertently kill somebody. I was genuinely shocked that that happened. And I'm like, that's going to mess with him for the rest of his life. And I think Wolverine even says that in like a little side panel, like that's going to haunt that kid for as long as he lives. I thought that was a really, really bold move. And I kind of tip my hat to 1987 writers in that comic. That was pretty darn cool. Overall, the story was fantastic. Just every time Peter talked, it just bummed me right out. 
Okay, okay. Uh, Gia, Julie, I noticed you nodding your head there when Jeff was commenting how whiny Peter Parker is. I, I'm with wow. you, though. I think that's pretty much Peter Parker for the part for the chorus for this era. But uh, what did you think of this story? I, yeah, um, no, he's whiny. He's whinier than usual in this one. Mm. I'm not saying that he's not whiny at other times because he's mostly whiny. So just in case you wanted to know, Jeff. He's whiny. Um, Good to know. Good to know. This is like the deep end, though. Like, and I feel like that is maybe the writer. Um, Because we start with Wolverine, who is like contemplative and thoughtful whiny. And then it kind of, uh, there's no diff. Once we jump into Spider-Man, there's no difference in voice. Um, And that kind of, that for me... Um, because I know him to be whiny, it it took it to like another level. It was just dreadful. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like the fact that they didn't, even though the colors were different, it really wasn't different. It didn't feel like, I felt like I was reading one man's internal voice. Um, and and that's, right. that's a fault of the writing. Um, there's a mm-hmm. lot of internal voice as well in this book which I think is also a fault of the running. And a lot of times I'm like, you know what? They are very explainy. Um, they do a lot of um, explaining in the dialogue. And I wish there was more uh, or less. The, there's like more storytelling in, what what do they call those panels? The, uh, just well, not word like narration, Captions? kind of narration, but no, it's not. It's a uh, first person narration, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so but I know, yeah, I don't know what the word is for it though, but yeah. Yeah, at times I wish there was more of that. Uh, now I just am solely wishing for uh, visual storytelling at this point because I can't stand to listen to either of them. Um, they did the thing that I hate about thrillers or like espionage films, which is they shoehorn shoehorn in a romance, um, and then they leave it. They also kill a huge character and it's very like uh very minimal mm-hmm. and then they kill another character the character is killed by the main character and that kind of seems a little underdeveloped mm-hmm. i mm. i like this i like the story um and i like this is a team up I didn't expect. I also didn't expect Wolverine to be doing as much meditating as he does. And he seems to meditate a lot in his underpants. Uh, as you do. Hey, right. I mean, he finds kind of religious. Yeah. He finds time for self-care even on a holiday to find his ex-girlfriend. I love it. Um, the one thing I really, really liked about this book though, was when they're flipping and flying through the streets of Berlin and Spider-Man is not in his costume, yes. but they have—they're—they're they're like pulling uh, very typical like poses, and mm-hmm. he's like in street clothes. Right. I really—I really enjoyed that because Wolverine—he's like, I didn't bring my costume. Wolverine's like, so what? No mm-hmm. one knows you here. Yeah, sure. It's late at night, and people—if people see you, they're gonna think it's weird. Mm-hmm. But. No one knows who Spider-Man... Well, I guess they do if there's a costume. But um, no one really knows who you are here. So it doesn't matter if you get, like, s- spotted. 
But yeah. Uh, okay. So we'll get back to you in a minute. Uh, Bex Luther, what do you think of this story? This is what I'm talking about. Yeah, give me some grizzly man tears. <laughs> I love a good whiny boy. Man, I read about sad boys all day. I love sad boys. How boys should be. Y'all should be sad for me. Um, that's what feminism is. I don't know why I just tripped over my tongue. Um, well, that's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> No, I love this. I this is great. This is Marvel team up wishes. Like, mm-hmm. she wishes she could be this good at character interaction and storytelling. Um, Marvel team she, up walked so Spider Man versus Wolverine <laughs> could run. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I, Marvel I, team up I, wishes I, they could walk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't really like the introduction of oh, this is the greatest secret agent of all time. She's better killer um and then i don't remember like i've read a decent amount of wolverine i don't know if wolverine talks about her ever again so that's fun um probably never mentioned again yeah <laughs> but i'm sure i'm sure peter will bring it up right like that's i read this and as soon as i got to the end of the issue i was like the rest of fucking spectacular and peter park and amazing and uh web of is gonna be so brutal to read because peter's gonna be so fucking whiny about it and I'm not looking forward to that. I hope maybe they just like, yes, go. Uh, can I say this issue? It says Charlemagne only appearance dies, so she's never <laughs> mentioned again. <laughs> Peter doesn't mention the fact that he kills a woman ever again after this. I guess not. Probably because not- the writer of the story was fired soon afterwards. Maybe that's why. But like Ned's dead, and he does die, doesn't he? Like in the next. Yes, he's definitely dead. Issues. Yes. So that continuity gets included but not peter punching a woman so hard she dies it's not (laughs) oh that kind of sucks then there's no then like i was gonna be upset about it but at least there's continuity oh well Mm um yeah i just i just really love the because both of these gentlemen are heroes right like and they're so vastly more morally different um and I, I think one of my favorite ones is the the panels where Wolverine's like meditating and Peter's like can't sleep because of what's going on and how much like it's affecting him. Whereas Wolverine's meditating, like he's at, at peace and he like yeah. murders people and all this shit. Like he, he knows who he is and what he is. Whereas Peter thinks he needs to protect everybody and do everything, even though he's one man and he needs to get the frick over it. Um, I don't like that the Mary Jane kiss. Girl, mm. what about Alfredo? Oh, that's right. Her At this boyfriend. point, Jeff, Mary, Mary Jane has a new boyfriend for like two panels. So. Oh, I thought she was just like big into pasta. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I love Alfredo sauce. That's my favorite. No, she's she's see, seeing some guy and he's like such a goober, but like he's better than Peter freaking Parker. Yeah, oh but my is God. he Spider Man? Like, the, come on, Spider Man's the worst boyfriend. Well, consistently, Spider Man. How many of Peter's girlfriends have died? Mm. Half of them. <laughs> I mean, mm. you're technically right. <laughs> There's only been two. <laughs> so I feel like it's a pretty small sample size. Well, no, there's been more. There's been more. Oh. There's been yeah, more I mean, one. Black Cat is completely traumatized with her obsession with him. Uh, mm. Betty, oh, her so husband's dead. Sucks to suck. Deborah <laughs> um, Whitney. Deb Whitney. Oh, yeah, Deb. 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 Deb.
her relationship mm. with Peter. Peter ruins everyone's life is basically what's going on. But I love that. And he's about, about to ruin hers in about a year when they get married. And then Mephesto's going to come and take it away. Yep. Can't wait for that. Um, they actually, I think in a recent Doctor Strange issue, they've, they've talked about why Mephesto did that, actually. And it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, spoilers for recent issues of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. But it turns out that the reason why Mephesto takes Peter Parker, Mary Jane's marriage and love away from them is because in the future, their daughter kills Mephesto. So he's like, nah, oh, can't happen. Boom. That's smart. See, that's good writing right there. Anyway. See, you would fix things afterwards, which I think that's what they try to do with the whole Hobgoblin thing, because I can't wait to read the shit show that is this reveal. Coming our way, yes. And... I'm a big fan of this new trend in Spider-Man comics where people just die. Characters that have had 10, 20 years of, of history just die unceremoniously. Just, right. Oh, yeah, Ned's you're just dead. Yeah, it feels Gone. very... Let's introduce Jimmy Olsen in this movie just so we can kill him in the same <laughs> yeah. scene. Yeah. Like, hey, Jimmy, you're my best friend in the whole world and no one will ever understand... Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm sad. <laughs> he does have a lot more emotion about Ned being dead than he did when um. What's uh, his name? Gene DeWolf. Gene DeWolf. Gene DeWolf. Yes. To be fair, though, he's known Ned longer, and I guess they're friends. Yeah, they're <laughs> friends. I don't. I don't know. I mean, Peter dated his wife before, so. <laughs> Isn't he like all sort all... of on the sly dating? No, that's the other woman. Sorry, Flash's no. yeah. girlfriend. Flash is is cheating on his girlfriend with Ned Leeds wife. That's it. <laughs> oh, just for the just for the records, uh Ned Leeds was introduced in Amazing Spider-Man 18. So that's he's been around oh. a long time. Oof, yeah. oh. And he never he's Ned's dead and that's it. Like he never appears he, again after this. He comes back. Well, what happens, I don't want to spoil it for our listeners, but what happens is <laughs> you find out in a couple months that Ned Leeds was the hobgoblin and then they flash back to the scene and Band on what happened and why it happened. Oh, okay. But I think he might eventually come back to life. So I'm not sure, Becca, if you know. Uh, Is he really dead? Yeah, he dies. And then how does he come back to life? Who brings him back? <laughs> Is it a clone? Uh, oh, it's the clone conspiracy. It's a clone. Yep, it's a clone thing. Ah, uh, gotcha. I was like, wait a second. Uh, how does that Oh, yeah. Right? Clones. You know, of course, had to, to be, be fair, it is Spider-Man, so mm -hmm. where there's Spider-Man. <laughs> I love I'm on like the Wikipedia page for Ned Leeds and it's like death, death, no more. Second death. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, Ned! I saw that. Oh, buddy. <laughs> You're uh, not going to have a good time. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I'm like, he didn't even do anything that bad. Yeah, it was the Hobgoblin, but it wasn't his fault. <laughs> He's brainwashed. That's what I mean. He's brainwashed. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's, yeah, he killed a bunch of people, but like, nice guy. I met him at a party. I don't know. I enjoyed this. Can we? I so I'm upset that this comic isn't gonna have more retribution, but it does make me want to read more Wolverine, which I already enjoy reading Wolverine mm. because yes, I just love how old this character is and like how all of his history can constantly manifest at the same time, and because it doesn't age, it all makes sense still. So it's like. Yeah, all these events happened to me. 80 years worth of history, but I'm still 40. 
Yeah, see, in my yep. late teens, early 20s when I was collecting, and I, I, I wasn't into Wolverine, and I, and now that I am a, a crotchety old man that's been through some shit, now I'm like, I get this dude now. Like, this totally makes sense. Like, I now I kind of want to go back and read some Wolverine stuff now that I'm a little bit more mature because, uh, yeah, like you've said, like he's been around for forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, timeline-wise, I mean, like, not, yeah. not in the comic, but I mean, timeline-wise, he's been around for so long and seen so mm-hmm. much, so he's right, become a little right, bit right. bitter and jaded. So, yeah, I can I can get behind that now. Which For makes sure. sense when you've seen your girlfriend die like six times. Right. And then mm-hmm. kiss another dude every time she comes back. So, yeah. And he clearly has a penchant for redheads. Uh, did, I mean, that was as soon as that reveal happened. Every- I'm like, wow, this dude knows what he likes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every Marvel superhero, male superhero, likes redheads. Yeah. What is that? Pepper that Potts is a redhead. Jean Grey, Mary Jane. Yeah, it's true. They're all, they're all gingers. Yeah. No souls. <laughs> Um, yeah, Wolverine currently, I don't know if anyone's reading current X-Men, is in a polyamorous relationship with um, Scott Summers and Jean Grey. So that's cool. Say what? I didn't want to. Yeah, they have a, yeah, they have a bedroom that connects and like Jean's is in the middle. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of on Krakoa. Krakoa. Sorry. (laughs) So is it is it strictly poly or is there like spit roasting going on? Like I just inquiring minds want to know. Like is there is the there time? contains elements of a spit roast? Okay. Um, but I love. believe, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. He's Which been I mean, that for so long. Good on Scott for like leaning right? into that. That's crazy town. I think he really just needed to. The writers really just needed to admit that Scott is bi or poly or whatever right um yeah i don't know why they turned decided to make iceman gay when they should have just been like wait no scott summers is bisexual <laughs> scott summers yeah. has been here the entire time guys yeah uh hello a bi icon <laughs> he's whiny all of his wives can stomp him like that doesn't scream bisexual energy what am i even doing <laughs> Well, hey, the new Superman's bisexual they just released, so... Dude, I'm so freaking pumped. <laughs> Holy shit. I've already, like, pre-ordered all my variant covers. I want yeah, all those boys it's kissing. very, very, very cool, so... Mm-hmm. Superman can't be gay? Well, it's his son, so too bad. Yeah, guess what? Yes, he can. Uh... Guess what? All the Gen Zs are gay, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I think everyone is a little bit gay. It's just a matter of whether you wanted to admit it to yourself. <laughs> well, Kurt Cobain said that, right? Everyone is gay. Okay, let's talk about the art uh, by Mark <laughs> Bright. Pretty gay. Um, <laughs> pretty gay. <laughs> ten out of ten. Pretty gay. <laughs> uh, Mike, that was a brilliant transition piece. Go. <laughs> so uh, We just talk about nonsense. And Mike's like, anyway, the comic book. <laughs> so Mark Bright. Known for his art on Iron Man and G.I. Joe, and uh, he also did the Falcon miniseries. I think the art here is fine, not great, but it's pretty good. It's definitely, you know, it, it, it fits in with this era of uh, Spider-Man comics. Josh, what did you think? Yeah, kind of like what you said, it was, it was fine. Um, I don't think anything stood out to me that was bad. Um, I thought it was pretty average, like, you know, it, it pretty, pretty good throughout, throughout. And then there were definitely moments that stood out as like exceptionally good. Um, 
particularly on like the storytelling side of things uh when peter's constantly having the flashbacks to him killing uh, uh, uh charlie and it's like the same panel over and over again and it's like it's like the same panel of what it actually happened but done in like a completely different style and it mm. really does feel like a flash of a memory um it's yeah right. so th- there's definitely moments like that that are really well done in this um and i think tonally um it goes well with the the more darker adult uh, uh themes that are happening in the story so yeah it was good gi jolie what do you think of the art <laughs> oh i liked the art um though you know how some people are like uh is some artists are really afraid of like drawing hands or like they're not great at drawing feet um Mm -hmm. weirdly spider-man is like barefoot in a lot of this issue and i really didn't notice that was a thing until um i saw the way this artist draws his bare feet it's terrible um yeah it's like the way i draw hands equally terrible um but also, why is why is he not wearing shoes or socks? I think it's because, it's because he needs to touch the surface to stick to walls. Mm-hmm. I think that's why. Is he always this barefoot? No, I, that actually, what I just said makes no sense because he wears spandex costume. But I, yeah. But I think if he, I think if he has his like a regular shoe with a sole, I don't think he could stick to the walls. I, I think that's why. Anyway. Mm, okay. Okay, so it's the whole lack of a costume. I mean, he really is only barefoot in Germany, except for that one time in his apartment where he's only in his underwear, which I mean, Mm -hmm. accurate, I guess. We all hang out in our underwear in our own apartments or dwellings. So, I mean, if we weren't doing this podcast, we'd only be in our underwear, right? There was one one podcast, though, where... Oops. um, (laughs) Hello. Um, Nobody noticed too, except for me. <laughs> Thank you, Becca. Way to go, boys. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I was too busy uh, looking at Spider-Man comics. Yeah, exactly. Make a girl, whatever. Spider-Man's right here. Story of my life. Uh, Bex Luther, what do you think of the air? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Julie. Sorry, Julie, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 it's okay. But anyway, uh, do what the ink is really... The inking... To me, at times, is really thin, but I don't know if that's a product of it being a recoloring. Mm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Bex Luther. Um. Yeah. No, I liked it. I, I think it was. It's one of those where it's like it doesn't. Sorry, just detract from the the writing at all with being bad or good. It just it complements the story. So it's not like, mm-hmm. whoa, this art is crazy amazing, but also like. I'm not distracted by bad art or anything like that. Right. I love the the decision that when Wolverine is killing a lot of people with his claws, it's just the flash of color and then some claw marks. They mm. do that I right. think, a couple times. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I really enjoy the the cemetery fight with Spider-Man and Wolverine. I think that's some of the best art in the the book, and it's really I don't know if it, this is the recolor, but even still, it's like dynamically colored i like the lighting in it i like the right. logan needs to stop smoking in cemeteries but besides that i just i enjoy it um yeah no 
it's good, interesting, keeps me engaged at least. I'm not like, wow, these backgrounds suck. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's hard when you're like how, trying to have an emotional punchline in your writing and then Spider-Man looks like the meme Spider-Man when he looks like, like the Spooderman. <laughs> so like, mm. mm-hmm. that's great. Um, <laughs> why, do, why are the writers and the and the... Why why is everyone making Spider-Man go to Europe so much lately? I don't know if that's just a trend. They're trying to make him more serious, so they're trying to get him involved in world politics. I'm not sure. Nothing's more serious than Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the time, the Berlin Wall and the IRA and all that. I love that he just jumps the Berlin Wall. He's like, nah, I'll just jump over it. I also love how he almost gets killed by a landmine, but his spider sense saves him. But anyway. Yeah. And I was reading some of like the trivia or whatever for the issue. And like when Spider-Man's like, oh, these guys are probably talking about how many guys they've killed. They're talking about like their mom's stew recipe. Actually. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, German. I want to translate it. I want to see what it says. And it's just like she puts carrots in it. And like, I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, Jeff, we haven't asked you about the art yet. What do you think of the art on this one? Uh, I, I liked it. Yeah, it's uh, like we've talked about before. It's it's definitely a sign uh, of the times that that 80s type of art. This being uh, like a like a premier issue, a higher cost issue, too, and, and a bigger issue. I don't know. I think maybe my expectations were a little bit high. I, well, I will tell you one thing that I really, really liked, and it was reminiscent for me of, of a lot of the, the key Batman issues I have, was the long, thin panels, especially when they're in like mm-hmm. a cityscape. It really gives you that sense that they're in this they're in between buildings or they're, they're at the ground floor of these tall, huge buildings, uh, both in New York. And then when they get over to Berlin, it really lent a sense of, of scope for me that, uh, I think was missing in the power pack comic and, and some of the other comics where it's just, you're just looking at your flat panels or whatever. And we're just going through the motions. Those long skinny panels really, really touched it off. And then, yeah, I love how they creatively sort of got around some of the comics code stuff by, having Wolverine just slice and dice and Ginsu knife his way through all these dudes, but all the blood is either pink or white or discolored mm-hmm. in such a way that it's not just huge splashes of red and gore around. So you still get to have that sense of that. We never even get really in the movies of Wolverine just cutting loose and just ripping through 20 guys. By the way, were there enough KGB agents in this story? Like yeah. how many <laughs> KGB agents all were killed KGB in this story? Agents, yeah. Know. Is there any KGB yeah. left? Because yeah. I'm fairly certain they all died. Uh, yeah, I thought that that was a unique way of getting around and showing just what Wolverine does and what he's capable of. Uh, but yeah, those those long skinny panels, like the layouts were just fantastic. Yeah, loved it. And I'm going to assume that was... Uh, Frank Miller's influence because Frank Miller drew the Wolverine miniseries. And so when they did this, Mm. they were probably trying to emulate the style of that book. So maybe that's why they had all the skinny panels, but you're right. They definitely do sell, you know, the architecture of like New York and whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. The scale looks great. So yeah, I think the, the, the reverse of that is also true later on in the cemetery scene. There's a lot of long skinny panels, the horizontally. That's right. And, and it really helps, um, especially like particularly in the moment where they have all of the officers and like the CIA, CIA, everybody is there after, um, after Charlie gets killed and then the lights go out and they come back on and it's just like the same landscape, the same like scale, but it's just Spidey and Wolverine and they're like tiny in frame. And you can really see how just kind of like empty it is after they're kind of just left there. 
um, Wolverine thinking about how uh, his love is dead and Spidey, how he killed um, he killed a civilian that didn't need mm. to be killed. So, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. The, the panels are, are super fun in this one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also, we usually disparage, you know, annuals because and team ups because they're usually pointless team ups and annuals are overlong filler crap. But this story, not only was it a great sto- uh, team up and a great contrast between the two characters, it also felt like this story needed to be, I think, as long as it was. It almost felt like a novel, you know, like you introduce a character, you have a twist, you have another guy, e- even though the Ned Leeds thing didn't really work, but like. You know, you bring a supporting character with you and he gets killed. And it really felt like, I, I don't know, like, again, like we always say, like, it's almost like Spider-Man the movie. Like, if you were watching a TV show, Spider-Man, and there was a movie, you would expect something to happen that's not going to happen in the regular book. And I feel like that's what this is. You know, go to Berlin and have this crazy adventure. And then the guy who's a reporter on the show as a supporting character gets killed while you're there and blah, blah, blah. So I think this is a really good issue. Unfortunately, what happens in the next few months of Spider-Man kind of affects, you know, their enjoyment of this a little bit. But on its own, I definitely think it's good. Uh, So with that, I definitely recommend this story. It is a standout in this 80s era of Spider-Man. Josh, do you recommend this one? Um, I I do recommend it. I think, again, the the one thing that I don't like is that Spidey is the one to kill the civilian. And I think that's a fun, interesting twist that that could have been really great for this but the whole thing for me was that spider-man is trying to or peter parker is trying to give up spider-man and how does this convince him to become spider-man again by the end of it you know what i mean like i feel like after killing somebody like using his powers as spider-man to kill someone um I don't understand how that would convince him to well, like, take on the mantle when he goes back to New York. You know what I mean? Like it just feels <laughs> counterproductive to his whole story and arc that's happening. So uh, that's the one thing I think it feels weird for me in this issue. But uh, besides that, I, I really had a lot of fun and would definitely recommend it. See, we like to complain or not complain, but we like to kind of poke fun at ourselves on Spidercast for having technical difficulties and missing episodes. We are more organized than the editorial office at Spider-Man in 1987 <laughs> because, as we said, uh, Tom DeFalco got fired, then Jim Owsley got fired, then Jim Shooter got fired, then Peter David got fired. No one knew. We talk about the inconsistency with characters, you know, dating different people, sleeping with different people. So Spider-Man comics, even though they were being read by millions of kids, were a complete mess at the time. So that's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. You know, it was a commercial product. They were churning it out as fast as they could. But in the midst of that process, we got some gems. Hopefully, sometimes, right? Well, mm-hmm. maybe not as often as we'd like. But anyway, G.I. Julie, do you recommend this issue? Yes. Uh, it's really good spy thrillery. It's got right. spy thrillery feelings and vibes um so yeah i would recommend it um it's a i I still feel weird about the whole ned leads thing anyway that's Mm. that's neither here nor there it gets worse yeah anyway but yeah i guess i'll did you know what i never ever want to recommend anything because it mostly sucks but this one doesn't mostly suck it just like sucks a little 
But like mm-hmm. for obvious reasons that it should suck, like people dying and not like, you know, writing or art or storytelling, <laughs> like the right. key stuff. Bex Luthor, do you recommend this one? Yeah, no, absolutely. It was actually one of Marvel's better attempts at doing a team up. <laughs> and it's hilarious that their Marvel team up no longer exists anymore because they were just like, ah, we got it now. Does anyone else want to see team ups? <laughs> um, I think what this does better than most team ups is that it it actually incorporates both characters' motivations into one story, and it makes sense why they're kind of like fighting. Like all you know, every every Batman versus Superman has like a oh well, we gotta figure out that who the real big bad guy is. Whereas like in this right. one. There's no big bad guy. They're just fighting over how they view their own morality, I guess. So that's interesting. Um, I think it's kind of funny that Ned is dead and this is how he died. Very funny. <laughs> it's just Ned's like dead, baby. Ned's dead. We, we went to <laughs> Germany because I thought of the, the Russian spies were after something and then they killed me. Shouldn't have gone to Germany, my dude. Mm hmm. Nothing good happens there, I guess. All right, Jeff, what do you think? You recommend this one? Uh, it's going to be the uh, yes, but with the caveat, uh, the exact opposite caveat for my power pack. Uh, if you're if you're going to get into power pack, be a young kid. If you're going to get into this comic, be an old person. Uh, it maybe not an old person, but it it relies on you knowing that there once was an east and a west germany and an east and a west berlin and and the height of the cold war and then the 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 grittiness and the, and the noirness of wolverine and then the the sheer unadulterated existentialism from peter throughout the entire comic you've really got to be a mature reader to to really get all the nuance of what's going on in this book so so people in our age group but i'm saying our and even though i'm considerably older than all of you um i think would really really dig this comic if i was 12 years old and i picked up this comic no no i would not hand this comic to a 12 year old it's too much the deaths are pretty gruesome in some cases and uh and yeah there's just not enough there that they would get there's too many mature themes that are going on here so well so we just experienced two like you pointed out jeff two extremes of spidey spidey comics in the 80s one geared for kids one geared for adults basically uh and i enjoyed them both for completely different reasons you know that's probably why i like spidey i think he kind of walks the line he can kind of do both but anyway so yes, we definitely would like to thank you for joining us, Jeff. This has been a great discussion. We'd love to have you back again in the future. By all means, um, I've had a great time. All right, and I think unfortunately by the time this episode runs, you'll already have done Fan Expo. Was it Fan Expo you were talking about, right? Fan Expo, yeah, yeah, uh, but a week yeah. ago. So yeah, that's okay, that's good. Uh, that's too bad. So I had else? a great time, everybody. Up? It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, absolutely, right. so many things, well, it was great. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah. have you on again. And uh, we want to thank G.I. Julie and Bex Luther for joining us as usual. It was a great time. You're and welcome. Uh, You're welcome. Woo! I am a gift. <laughs> <laughs> and Joshua Mervell, you can take it from here. Yeah, we also want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcast. You can drop us a line on Twitter at, at HCT Spidercast. Uh, it really helps when you let us know what you guys think about the comics we're talking about and the pod- podcast itself. So, uh, yeah, please keep in touch. 
All right, so until next Monday, see you later.